You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hey, Life Tree. Uncle Dave with you again today. It's a pleasure to be with you this Sunday. Sorry we can't do it in person, but uh, glad to uh, connect with you as we continue to move through the pandemic uh, of 2020. Um, I'd like to share some things with you today that uh, God's put on my heart. You know, a lot of times when. Um, speakers come up, we get asked very often, uh, how do you determine what you'll speak about? Is it something that God tells you? Is it just a a thought that you have? How how do you run that? And the truth is that very often you think about it, you pray about it, and you feel like a little leaning one way or another. But I've got to tell you, when uh, I was asked to share today, uh, right from the start, this was several weeks ago, uh, what I'm going to share with you, it was something that I felt like God put on my heart right at that moment. And I was kind of excited. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to share that with you today. I'm going to start by reading my text, and then we're going to backtrack, and, and I'll open it up a little differently. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 27. They're kind of familiar verses if you've read uh, the New Testament before, and they may sound familiar to you. It goes like this. Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When it rains and floods come, and when the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Um, As I read these verses and think about it, uh, I reflect back, and you know, after about six months now of some level of quarantine, I think everyone is starting to get uh, I'll use the word itchy. Um, this storm that we're in is is starting to get to us. You know, we went from a we're going to get through this mentality to a enough already mentality. And you can just kind of sense it there. You know, one of the dangerous characteristics of a storm is not only its strength, but its duration. Uh, there's a saying that I've always held dear. What you can't overpower, you can often outlast. Well, the reverse of that is is just as true. And just because something doesn't overpower us doesn't mean it can't wear us out. And I'm, I'm sensing that many people are experiencing that's what's happening these days. Today, I want to talk to you very specifically about how to build a spiritual foundation in your life that will carry you through any storm, regardless of its duration and intensity. Um, we're going to begin with prayer, and then and then we'll jump in. Is that all right? Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this day that you created this day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the week the Lord has made. This is the month the Lord has made. This is the year the Lord has made. And because of that, we can rejoice and be glad. I pray today that you will speak to us, Lord. You will deal with our hearts, deal with our, our being, our character. Give us eyes that see clearly. Give us ears that hear. Hear your voice and all that's going on around us. Give us minds that understand how we should live and respond. And give us hearts that are ready and willing to uh, respond to you this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, let me share this with you as well. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was had the opportunity to speak at a church and uh, record a service at a church for broadcast on Sunday. They had their worship team there. 
one of the songs they sang was um, uh, what the enemy meant for evil God turned it for good it's a popular song I love the song um, and it, it speaks of a truth that God can turn things intended for evil for good as we sang that song I got the distinct sense in my heart what if this pandemic that we're experiencing is not just something that the enemy sent and meant for evil what if this is something that God sent for good and the enemy is turning it for evil and to be honest, I prefer to look at it that way. The difference in the two perspectives is that we're not on the defensive, we're on the offensive. God is doing something in our world. And rather than just surviving it, we have an opportunity to thrive in this because this is something sent by God. And I believe that it's something that if we see as a God-given opportunity, we'll be able to respond very differently and, and um, it'll help us in that. So with that in mind, uh, let me begin with this little story. Good friends of ours uh, went out and they, they purchased a brand new camper. Uh, when I say the word camper, you may have all different pictures that come to mind, uh, but these friends have an amazing camper. They don't go camping. They go what they call glamping. Glamping. I'll explain that in just a second if you don't know what the term means. Um, in this camper, it's huge. It has a king-size bed. It's got full air conditioning. They got a 60-inch TV that swivels. Um, they have a built-in stereo sound system, shower, jacuzzi, stove, all the comforts you would ever want. They call it glamping, glamour camping, glamping. Um, the camper is amazing. You can bring this camper to a beach, enjoy the surf, enjoy the waves, and all the comforts of a vacation resort. And everything is great unless a storm brews up. With a storm come some problems. As long as there are no storms though, everything is great. But one storm, one minor hurricane, that will turn glamping into disaster. Well, Jesus uses that same basic metaphor in the passage that we just read. It's very possible to live a life that is very safe and secure in the calm, but when the storm comes, you've got some problems. It's very possible to live as a Christian that way with all the comforts afforded to a believer yet have no foundation. And that's a very enjoyable way to live until the storm comes. And that's when the problems come in. Well, today I want to give you three pillars that you need in your spiritual foundation if you hope to survive the storms that will come in life. I'm going to present each pillar with its opposite extreme, almost as a choice, as an option that you have to make, because the distinction of the opposite helps you to define it better. And I want to tell you right from the start, this really isn't a sermon that I'm sharing with you today. What I'm sharing with you are three personal convictions that I have held dear for years. I don't know where I picked them up, but they've shaped who I am, how I live, and how I think. Um, and I hope they will help you in that same way. And let me tell you right in the beginning, right as, as well. Let me tell you right at the beginning as well. These three pillars may not make your life easier, but they will make it simpler. Okay, so with that in mind, let me get started. Pillar number one, pillar number one, I'll phrase it this way. Either God is God, all-powerful creator and ruler of the universe, or he is a mythical character, a psychological fabrication that just helps us stay sane. Uh, either God is God or he's just a mythological character. 
many of you have seen the great Christmas classic, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, Chris Kringle. Is he Santa Claus? Is he the real Santa Claus? Or is he just a, a nice old man who seems sweet, seems kind, and you kind of walk around him hoping he might be the real thing? That's almost the perspective that a lot of people have towards God. C.S. Lewis said once, um, referring to our desire for the God we serve, he said this, We want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven. Someone who, as they say, liked to see young people enjoying themselves and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might truly be said at the end of each day, a good time was had by all. That's the kind of God that many people realize, just this big force, this nebulous identity, just wanting everybody to be happy. Well, that works for sunny days at the beach, but it doesn't survive the storm on the beach. Let me give you another story. In 2015, many of you or some of you might remember the story of 21 Coptic Christians that were kidnapped, held prisoner by ISIS terrorists in Egypt and eventually beheaded for their faith in Christ. A Coptic leader that was involved in that experience shared that of the 21 men, only 20 of them were actually Egyptian Coptics. One of the martyrs was from Chad, and he had not been a Christian prior to the day of his death. All 21 men were lined up also on a beach and given a choice to deny Jesus or die. One by one, each of the 20 Coptic believers refused to deny him, knowing it would cost them their life. When the terrorists order ordered the last man, the man from Chad, to deny Jesus or die. He looked at the 20 men he had worked with who just gave themselves a sentence of death and answered, Their God is my God, thereby sealing his fate. There is a man from Chad in heaven today. We don't know his name. He's there because 20 other men, whose names we also do not know, recognize that their Lord was not just an imaginary friend, a mythological figure with a big guy upstairs. He was their Lord, almighty God, supreme ruler and creator. You see, your convictions don't only affect you, they affect those around you. Make your choice. Is God supreme authority or just a myth? Pillar number one, God is God, ultimate supreme authority, creator, and ruler of all there is. Pillar number two, either the Bible is God's word, our guide for life, trustworthy and to be followed, or the Bible is just a book of suggestions and folk wisdom to refer to on occasion, when we want some insight and wisdom. Luke eleven twenty eight says this, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obey it. Those are the ones who are blessed. You see, often we think of the Bible more like a book of recommendations than the guide for our lives that is that has authority. There's the uh, wisdom that comes to us from the classic 
world-famous, amazing movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm sure you've, many of you have seen it. At one point in the movie, a young woman, Elizabeth Swan, is taken prisoner by pirate captain Barbosa. He's the captain of the Black Pearl. She, as she's taken captive, tries to fight for her freedom, and she invokes what she calls the pirate's code in an attempt to leverage her safety. Barbosa fools her, and she ends up remaining a prisoner. When she protests, she claims the authority of the pirate's code, and he says those infamous words. The code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. The code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. That's how a lot of people look at the Bible. It's a book of guidelines more than it is actual rules. Either the Bible is to be learned, followed, it's the word of God, or it's just a collection of old fables. You can't have it both ways. You've got to pick one or the other. Pillar number two, to build a solid foundation, the Bible is the word of God, our guide for living. Pillar number three, and i got to tell you, I apologize ahead of time. This is the most painful of the three. This is the most painful. Pillar number three is this. Either I exist to serve God, or he exists to serve me. Either I exist to serve God, or he exists to serve me. You know, since the beginning of time, there has been this tension between man being created in the image of God or a God being created in man's image. To illustrate that, let me use some pretty common uh, beings that we're all familiar with, dogs and cats. Dogs and cats. You may have heard this before. I love it. It speaks very well to the personality of dogs and cats, but it also speaks to this issue. First, we'll talk about the dog. Here is the mind of a dog. He looks at his owner and he says, My owner loves me, provides for me, and protects me. When I'm sick, he brings me to the doctor. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. Whatever I need, he supplies. He must be my God. The cat. The cat looks at his owner and says, My owner loves me, provides for me and protects me. When I'm sick, he brings me to the doctor. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. Whatever I need, he supplies. I must be his God. <laughs> Dogs and cats. Either he exists for me, or I exist for him. The bottom line is that we see it one of these two ways. Malachi spoke to this very issue in Malachi chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Malachi says this. It's a longer passage, but it really is worth the read. Malachi says, You have said, what is the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed, for those who do evil get rich, and those who dare to punish God, uh, those who dare God to punish them, suffer no harm. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, 
a scroll of remembrance was written to record the name of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You see, either you exist to serve him or you believe he exists to serve you. You have to make that choice. Pillar number three, I exist to serve him. Let me wrap this up with a few action points and bring this to a close. Very simple. You've got a few decisions to make, some evaluations and some decisions. You need to evaluate and decide, is God God or not? Is the Bible God's word or just a book of fables and advice? Do I exist to serve him or does he exist to serve me? It can't be all of the above. You have to pick one or the other. Let me close with this story as well. A number of years ago, um, Cheryl and I went camping, not glamping, camping, little pop-up camper, uh, 72 Chevy Impala pulling it all around. Uh, our kids were young. Your pastor was about, if I remember right, five or six years old. Um, we got to the campsite. We pulled in, shut off the car, opened the doors, and Dan ran out of the car like a dog trying to get out of the house. I mean, he just bolted out and across the campsite, in the middle of which was a metal fire ring. No fire inside. It's some charcoal and stuff, but a metal fire ring. And I think, I'll be gracious, he was probably trying to jump over it. He caught his toe on the front side of the fire ring, went flying, slammed his head into the other side, and gashed his scalp right about here, and blood was everywhere. We had just got to the campsite, and bam, that's how it started. So I had to unhook the camper, get him in the car. He's holding this compress on, hold this compress on his head, drive him to emergency so he can get some stitches. We bring him inside. And he was going crazy. He could not understand that the doctor had to do what the doctor had to do. They actually had to put a straitjacket on him, a literal straitjacket for a child. <laughs> he's all wrapped up in this straitjacket, and he's writhing and everything. The doctor looked at me and said, you're going to have to hold him still. I can't stitch him. And I will never, ever forget the moment when I put my weight upon him, when I grabbed my, reached my hand around his head to hold his head still while the doctor was trying to put stitches in the top of his scalp here, and he looked at me, and in his eyes, I saw the look of bewilderment. You're my father. You betrayed me. You're holding me. He's hurting me. You're supposed to protect me. Why are you letting this happen? I understand what it's like to go through difficult times. I understand how confusing that sounds. At that moment with Dan, I could not adequately explain why I was doing what I was doing, but I knew that while it caused pain for him, it was for his best. Folks, I am not ignorant of some of the issues being faced in Life Tree Church this week. I understand what's going on in some families the crises, the storms. 
I understand how my words today seem a little confusing about those storms. And let me tell you, there will be storms we all experience. And there will be times that we feel like God betrayed his trust to us. There's no way he can explain. We can't understand what he betrayed that we feel he betrayed is exactly what we need to focus on. Trust. It's very hard to trust when we feel like that trust has been betrayed. I get it. But I do know this. If you trust him, those three pillars will carry you through the storm. God is God, almighty creator and Lord. The Bible is the word of God, authoritative guide for living. He does not exist to serve me. I exist to serve him. That may not make your life easier, but I hope it will make it simpler. It all begins with trust, with trusting him. Last thing I want to share with you is a poem. A woman by the name of Annie Johnson Flint wrote this poem, song. Annie Johnson Flint was an amazing woman. Her faith was unremarkable. She spent most of her life bedridden, uh, struggled physically, medically with issues, suffering that we cannot understand. She wrote these words, and with them I wrap everything up today. It's a song that she wrote called, He Giveth More Grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To edit affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. May your trust in the ever-present all powerful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, provide you with the grace you need to build a foundation that will withstand any storm that comes your way. To God be all the glory. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank, for your, thank you for your promises. Teach us to trust you when trusting is so hard. Teach us, Lord, to hope in you when it seems like that we're walking in darkness through deathly shadows and valleys, to know that you are walking with us. I pray this day your blessing over each person that's listening today. And I pray, Lord, that they will make the choice to make you God, to make your word their authoritative guidebook for life, to determine to exist, to serve you and not just look for what they get in return. 
although we get so much. We live to honor you. Help us, Lord, to build a foundation that will stand life storms. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.